Amen. And tonight we want to continue talking about how to study the Bible. Throughout this series, I have started out here talking about the different ways to uh, study the Bible. Amen. Uh, we are talking about studying the Word of God. Why is it so important for us to understand uh, or recognize that uh, it, there's a there's a technique and there is also a particular um, a particular uh, way to study the Bible. Amen. We talked about last week. Uh, what what we talked about last week. We talked about uh, what the word. What is the word? And then we talked about. Uh, we we also talked about. We looked at some non-negotiables. Right. The non-negotiable. The non-negotiables non, non were the fact that we said that the word, the Bible is inerrant. In other words, it has no errors. There's no error in the Bible. The Bible is true. Amen. The Bible is true. And you and I as believers, amen, we have to come to a place, amen, where we can get grasp for our Bible. The, the, the average believer today, I'm going to say this, the average believer today um, has uh, some difficulty understanding the Bible, understanding the Word of God. Uh, biblical illiteracy is at an all-time high, and what we're trying to do here in this in this series entitled "Rooted," what what we want to get you rooted in your faith, Amen. And so tonight, I, I spoke about what the Word is, but the Bible there the Bible uses different pictures different pictures to describe itself, amen? And I want to look at a few of those, and then tonight I want to introduce you to the tools. So along with you understanding, uh, and I'll just put my PowerPoint up here from last week, uh, just kind of give you uh, the non-negotiables here, all right? So we said that the Bible is inspired. It's an inspired word of God. It's inspired by God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for training in righteousness, right? We, we, we looked at all these scriptures, right, uh, pertaining to what the word is. We said that the word of God is a two-edged sword. It's, it'll cut you, right? It will encourage you. It will hope you. It will help you, amen? Uh, the word of God, amen, uh, will also heal you, amen? And so uh, we said that all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for training in righteousness, right? It helps you. The word of God equips you to live holy, to live for God, right? How else can a person know how to live for God apart from the word of God? If we don't know the word of God, then what are we doing? We're just making stuff up as we go, right? And this is why I told you that the Bible is inerrant, and that word inerrant means without error, like wet and water, inspiration, and what we call inerrancy, that's that word inerrancy, that's a, that's a, that's a theological term, right, that, that, you know, it's kind of a big term, but just know this, it just simply means without error, okay? Uh, the Bible is alive, that's the non-negotiable number three. For the word of God is living and, and powerful. In other words, God is speaking today. God is speaking today, right? God knows our spiritual condition and he speaks today. Last week I stopped here, I believe, and I told you, where do we begin? How do you begin? Well, before I give you the method, 
Amen. Before I give you the method, so it's a three-part method. Once we get to it, uh, you know, we've got another week or so, and we get into the method, right? What we have to do is understand that without the proper tools, write this down somewhere, without the proper tools, you and I will not be able to understand or even study the word of God as we should be, right? Because we don't have the tools, right? It's like sending a plumber to do a job, but giving him no tools. He's just a plumber by name. Amen. Uh, it's, it's sending a carpenter to say, go build a house. And then he shows up to build a house and he has no material. He has no tools. He has the material, but he doesn't have the tools, amen, to do the job. Amen. And one of the things I told you, and what I want to say tonight is if you want to, if you if you're going to begin to study the word of God, the first step is you have to begin with context. Always remember the context and the context of what's being said before, the context of what's being said after, and then the context as a whole. The whole what does the whole Bible say about that particular issue, that particular uh, theme, that particular big idea from that passage, okay? Then you begin with that framework, okay? You begin with the framework, okay? Then you begin with a good translation. You need a good translation, all right? Uh, we use here at the Vision Church, we use the, uh, the Bible knowledge commentary. That's the Bible that we use. Uh, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry, the New American Standard, I'm thinking about a commentary here. Uh, that we use the New American Standard Bible. Uh, Bible knowledge commentary is definitely something that you may want to add to your library if you want to become more in-depth in the Word of God, if you want to grasp the Word of God, if you want to become, I don't know, how many of you want to get better at, at reading the Word, understanding it, and applying it, right? Ezra 7.10 is my life verse. It says, Ezra set his heart to study to practice and then to teach. Now, let me say this. The other thing that we have to we have to understand, we have to realize when we're reading the Bible, we have to understand that we have to know what the genre is, okay? A genre is a particular class. So for instance, you have jazz, you have rap, you have R&B. Those are what you call genres, right? The Bible has different genres. And if you're reading poetry, I know I'm sounding repetitive here, but you need to know how to read poetry. The problem, saints, is this. A lot of what I'm finding is that people are going to every other source for help today rather than going to the word of God for help, right? We're, we're accessing all types of information, but in all actuality, I want to say to you today, the greatest thing that you have as a believer amen, is the Bible. And I gave you the acronym for the Bible, right? Basic instructions for life before what? Before leaving earth, amen? Basic instructions before leaving earth, amen? Basic instructions before leaving earth. Now, the next thing that you have to do when you approach the Bible, you have to approach the Bible in prayer. Whenever you read the word, you must, I, I always approach the word with prayer by asking the Lord for forgiveness. I ask the Lord to uh, help me, to cleanse me. Maybe I got something on my mind. Maybe I got something that's pulling me down and it's hard for me to concentrate. How many times 
you've approached the word, right? And you can't concentrate, right? Anybody ever been there? You're like, you're trying to read it and it makes absolutely no sense at all, right? So what we want to do is we want to help you to overcome these things so that you can um, better be better students of God's word, amen? So we begin with context. How do we read other books? Context means the verses are connected to the verses that precede it and to the verses that follows it, okay? The Old Testament helps us understand the New Testament. Remember that. Tonight, I'll introduce you to the tools, okay? Tonight, I'll introduce you to, before I introduce you to the tools, though, let's do this. The Bible uses symbols or what I call word pictures. The Bible uses word pictures uh, to describe itself. First one I want to introduce you to, go to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Let's go there for a second. Hebrews chapter 5. And verse 12, Hebrews chapter 5. And I want to show you something about this Hebrews chapter 5. Let me uh let me pull it up on the screen for you so you can see it. And that way we can all we can all do it together, right? Hebrews chapter 5. And I'll be reading from the New American Standard, so that's why I'm pulling up on the screen because maybe some of you don't have it, right? Uh, let me let me show you. Let me get, let me show you what the Hebrew writer is saying. Okay, the Hebrew writer is saying he he he's making a point here, and 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 it's an important point that you and I must be careful of. Okay, look what he says. He says concerning him, verse eleven, we have much to say. Look what it says. It is hard to explain since you have become what? Dull of hearing. Notice he says you become what? Dull of what? Hearing. So I believe that oftentimes if your hearing is going a little dull, amen, if, if your listening skills are not there, if you're tuning out when you hear the word of God, there's a possibility that your hearing can become dull. Look what he says in verse 12. He says, for by this time, you ought to be teachers. See? He, in other words, what Paul, what, what the writer, because we don't know who the writer is, and that's something else you need to know when you're reading the word of God, right? When you're reading the word of God, make sure that you understand who the writer is and then who is he writing to, okay? Make sure you note that. Who is he writing to? Where is he writing from, right? And then, and then you can understand a little bit more of what he means. So what he's saying to these believers is that by now you should be teaching the word of God. He says, but you have a need again for someone to teach you. Notice, these saints had been Christians for a long time. So there's a possibility, saints, that we can be Christians for a long time and revert back to elementary school spiritually. <laughs> or some of us can even go back to the nursery. God, God, goo, goo. You understand? All right. And so what he's saying is, he's saying by now you've been in the, in, in the Lord a long time. Why am I teaching this series? Why am I trying to get you to know, learn how to study the word? Why am I trying to get you to uh, understand how to study scripture, because I don't want this to be 
your testimony. I don't want it to be your testimony that you've been in church so long under, under my leadership, okay? Amen. 16 years this year I've been pastoring, right? Under my leadership and you still are in the nursery or in elementary school spiritually. So he says, by now you should be teachers. Now here's what happens to a lot of people. I told you that the word is living and active. What happens to a lot of people is that they rely so much on the pastor to do the translating. Hello, somebody. That they just wait for Sunday to read and they just wait for Tuesday to study and they don't study for themselves. And then they use the excuse, if you would, I don't know how, amen. And so what Paul, or the writer, I should say, and I keep saying Paul, it looks like Paul to me. Uh, what I keep saying here, the writer is saying, listen, by now you should be, you should be in high school, but you should be in college. You should be graduated and living the Christian life. Watch this. Matter of fact, you should have graduated because a teacher means that you have been trained and qualified. Come on, help me, somebody, at using the word of God, at studying the word of God, and also applying the word of God to the situations that you go through in life. So how does the Bible describe itself? Watch this. He says, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need what? Milk. You see that? The Bible describes itself as what? As milk. The Hebrew writer compares the word of God, the basics of the word of God, to milk in contrast to solid food. Look what he says. He said, you've come to need milk and not solid food. So if, if you would, and I'm going to just say, I'm just make this cliche statement. There are levels to this. Amen. So as you mature, you're moving from milk to solid food. So let me ask you a question tonight. Are you still on milk <laughs> or are you on solid food? Because the word has that characteristic, amen, of solid food. Now, what is solid food? Solid food is for a specific kind of believer. Here's what, here's what I want to say to you. Not everybody can sit in a Bible study like this for very long if they're in the nursery. Right now, they need to get their pampers changed. Come on, help me, somebody. They're throwing tantrums. They want to play with the toys. They, they, want to, they want to do those types of things, right? Rather than listen to the word of God and sit and listen, they are distracted by everything. I wish I had somebody. And so you have to know, number one, Okay, write this down. Before you study, you have to know where you are spiritually. Where are you in your maturity? Because if you don't know where you are, you could be trying to eat steak with no teeth. Hello, somebody. And you know that's a difficult task, right? Amen. And I'm going to say one more time. That's a difficult task to eat steak with no teeth. All right? So... So once you understand where you are spiritually, then you can move forward with practice, amen, to maturity and start eating 
the meat of the word. Are you with me? Look at verse 13. He says, for everyone who partakes only of what? Milk is not accustomed to the word of what? Lord have mercy. Y'all going to make me want to shout up in here. They're not, they're not accustomed to the word of righteousness. For he is a what? An infant. And, and I often say to people, if you're reading and you're not getting anything, you got to check your heart. But you got to ask yourself a question. Am I still an infant spiritually? And so what I suggest to you is to go back to the basics. What are the basics? Here's the basics. The first book of the Bible that you and I as an infant should be acclimated with is the book of John. Okay? The book of John is all about believing. And then here's the thing. Those of you who have finished class 101, 201, and 301, those are our pathway fundamental believers classes where you learn how to grow. And after you're done with those classes, we assume that you will go on to maturity by attending Bible study, uh, by reading God's word, by doing your devotions, because in those classes, we teach you how to do those basic things. In other words, we teach you how to survive spiritually. Are you with me? Oftentimes, many believers are not surviving spiritually, saints, because they leave the basics. When you keep missing Bible study, when you keep missing church, when you keep hitting and missing, there's a possibility that you can become dull of hearing, okay? I didn't mean to stay here all this long, but he says, but solid food, he tells you what who the milk is for, right? The milk is for who? The infant. He says, and he says, but solid food is for who? The mature. The mature because of what? Practice. In other words, when I hear the word, I ought to take the word that I heard and I ought to practice it or apply it to my situation and to my life. That's the only way you're going to grow, saints. That's the only way you're going to grow in and become the people that God wants you to become because you are taking the time to practice. You're not just hearing. You know what a baby does? A baby consumes. Amen. A baby is developing. A baby is not contributing. <laughs> a baby is taking. But once you move past infancy, right, there comes a point now where you begin to apply this stuff and to practice it. And once you practice it, he says, then you're, you, he says, who, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern what good and evil. In other words, the more you learn how to apply the word and study the word, the more the, the capacity now you have is the capacity to take what you've learned and, and, and develop, watch this, discernment so that you know right from wrong. Hello, somebody. But not just knowing right from wrong, but when you know right from wrong, you can take what you know and then apply it. See, there are, there are some people who know what's right, but they can't do it. 
And oftentimes the reason they can't do it is because they lack what I call the basics. Amen. All right. I just wanted to show you that the word of God describes itself as what? Solid food. Amen. I'm sorry, milk and then solid food. Okay. Now, I want to show you now what you need. All right. So if you're right, taking notes, these are the things that you need in order to begin your journey. Amen. To begin your journey in studying the word of God. Okay. All right. Here we go. I'm going to get it right here. We're going to look at it. And then we're going to talk about it. Amen. There are, there are things that you need. And one of the things, there are several tools that you need. So I want to talk about the tools before I teach you how to study the method to study. I have to introduce you to the tools to study. Hello, somebody. The what? The tools. And oftentimes, the average believer approaches the word with no tools, right? Nobody's telling them, like, you need certain tools to study. You need these tools in order for you to become better at applying it and moving on to maturity. Now, the first thing, what I would recommend as a layperson, Okay, what I would recommend is that, and, and some of you already have it, but it's got a, so much dust on it. <laughs> All right, the first thing you need is a study Bible. All right, so you say, Pastor, how do I study the Word of God? Well, you need understanding. You need to move from milk to meat. You need to move from milk to solid food, right? You need a study Bible. Now, here at TB Seminary, we have uh, a study Bible, the John MacArthur Study Bible. We have many copies of it. I recommend that you purchase a copy of it because you need a study Bible in order for you to break it down, to get better understanding, right? So what a study Bible does, let me tell you what a study Bible does. A study Bible gives you all the information you need for better interpretation, okay? For what? For better interpretation. Hold on a second. I don't know what I did with my, with my mouse. Okay, here we go. All right. So within the, um, within, the, within the study Bible, you have where you can find information or find different scriptures, and it's called a concordance. All right, I'll explain these here in a minute. You have within in your study Bible, a, and there are topical Bibles. So concordance, if you want to find more information about certain topics in the Bible, you can use a concordance. If you, if you want to find a particular verse that maybe you forgot, you can get a concordance, and that concordance will help you to find information. And then the topical Bible helps you to find topics in the Bible with verses that relate it that are related to it, okay? Now, if you want to understand what you're reading, so that's the fine information, within this study Bible, there's usually what's called a commentary. Commentary are just what it is. It's comments by that author about the verse and breaking down the verse, 
Okay, so you have, and and then you have a, a Bible dictionary. Now, listen, don't you don't don't you uh, commit this cardinal sin here? Okay, <laughs> most some people who are not trained, when they see a word in the Bible, they go to the English dictionary, they go to the Webster dictionary. And they look up the word from the English dictionary, and that's wrong because the Bible was written in Greek, Hebrew, Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic, okay? So you need a Greek dictionary, you need a Hebrew dictionary, and you need an Aramaic dictionary. But here's the other thing you need to know. Within your concordance, at the back of your concordance, there will be a Bible dictionary located in there. And that's advanced, but we'll talk about that another time, okay? But remember, you always want to use an, a Hebrew or Greek dictionary to define any word that you see in the scriptures, okay? Then, to, then if you want a big overview of information in the Bible, you want what's called a Bible handbook. Haley's handbook is a, is a good one. I would suggest that. Uh, there are different types of handbooks. And what the handbook does, it just gives you a better, a better feel, a better understanding. Now, what am I doing here? I'm giving you uh, the, the tools that you need. Now, this is, I don't know if you can see this. I'm not sure if it'll allow you to see it, but uh, this is the John MacArthur Study Bible. And within this one study Bible, all of this information is in there. So, you know, I, I've said this many, uh, many times, right? Whenever you go to study the Bible, you fall asleep, right? Oh, whenever you read the Bible, you're just reading a verse. You're just reading a verse, but, and you're rereading it and you're rereading it. Have you ever asked questions of it? Have you ever wondered like, man, what is it really saying, right? There's more to this, right? Well, the, the MacArthur Study Bible, and, and there are other study Bibles too, what it will do at the bottom of the page, it will give you better understanding of what you're reading. Now, along with the method that I'm going to teach you, all the study Bible is, it, is, it helps you, and the commentaries, it helps you to better apply it, but better understand what you're reading. All right. There's nothing like knowing and understanding what you're reading. Amen. All right. So let's let's break down each one. OK, study Bible contains complete scripture text, as well as a variety of cross references and abbreviated topical articles, index, concordance, dictionary, il illustrations, charts, maps, outlines, introductions and commentary at the beginning of every study of, of every book, you'll see there's an introduction. It tells you the purpose of the book, the date of the book, the author of the book, why the book was written. Those are important information. Don't you just pick up your Bible and just read and say, oh, I got it. No, get the information so you understand what you're reading, okay? So you have your study Bible. The next thing I want to show you that's important is Bible translations, okay? The best way to understand scripture is to have the correct translations. Now, this right here, it says word for word. These are Bibles that were translated from the original Greek and Hebrew. These Bible, thought for thought, has been translated by someone 
not using those particular, not using that. It's more thought for thought. So it's more of a diluted, it's more diluted, it's it's watered down, okay? And there are things that are missing within these translations. Now, if, if you notice, the New American Standard is closest thing here on this chart to the original language. Then you have your Amplified, then you have your ESV version. Now, I would use these versions up to here, I would use the New American Standard, the Amplified, the ESV, all these versions. Now, if you go to uh, your, your Bible app, you know how you have that, that Bible app on your phone? You ever look at all those versions? Well, now I'll take a picture of this because then you can know which one you can read, which one will help you to study better than others. Now, these versions are for studying. Now, when you get to the thought for thought versions, you got to be very careful. They're in modern English. But these have a little bit of biases to it, okay? These versions are translated in an easier way to understand, but they leave out a whole lot of vital information, and they translate it, amen, where it's, it, the, the original meaning is not there anymore. Now, I recommend if you want an easy version to read, Okay, easier than the, the New American Standard. Because sometimes even reading New American Standard, you may get a little confused. But I would say that the NLT, the New Living Translation, would be the one that I would recommend for you, amen, as a person who is growing and developing in the Word of God. Some of you, this is a refresher course for you. Some of you, this is new to you. But I would pay attention. You want word for word from the original, not thought for thought. Whenever you start reading like the Message Bible and the Living Bible and these types of Bibles, they're losing some of the richness of the author's original intent, okay? So I want you to know that. All right, Bible Handbook is a companion to Bible reading. It arranges an order of the books of the Bible. It provides background before you read through a, the Bible book, commentary and illustration, as you read, and topical and historical notes to expand your understanding. That is what you use a Bible handbook for. Concordance. A concordance is a list common words found in the Bible and shows the places where they occur. For example, under the entry of faith, you'd find a location in the Bible where the word faith is used. A concordance enables you to do word studies as well as locate verses uh, vaguely remembered. Now, I will, maybe at the end of this, I'll do a little concordance search to show you what it looks like, okay? So just, I'm just telling you about the tools, all right? So, so far we had what? We had the handbook, uh, we had the, the different translations, right? And then we have the concordance, okay? All right, strong concordance. Again, that's again that's the strong concordance. All right, it's a very useful tool for studying scripture. It takes every single word of the King James version and lists every word, every word, each word can be found in the scripture. Okay, it's 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 really cool to locate scripture and then also to do word study. Okay. All right, let me let me go on down here. All right. All right. Also, besides each reference, there's all uh, there's a number. Okay, whenever you look at the concordance, the Strong's concordance, you'll find a number next to each word. 
The number represents a Hebrew word if in the Old Testament. So remember, the Old Testament is written in what? Hebrew. The New Testament is written in Greek. In the back of the book, it lists Hebrew and Greek used to translate in the Bible into English. Now, the numbering system for Strong's will help you to define that Hebrew or Greek word, okay? Next thing we have are called, they're called lexicons, all right? Bible lexicon provides definitions and meanings, definition and meanings of biblical words found in the original New Testament, Greek and Old Testament. Hebrew languages of the Holy Bible. The study, this study resource helps in understanding the origins and root meaning of ancient language. Additionally, lexicons give the context and cultural meaning intent by the authors, by the author. And you can find all this stuff online too. Uh, it, it is really help, helpful, okay? Then we have what's called the English-Greek reverse interlinear. And in the linear Bible, basically it gives you the Hebrew, the Greek, and, it, and it, it pretty much helps you to break down each word, word for word, okay? It's a word for word translation, all right? I won't go too deep into that. Topical Bible is a guide to different subjects addressed in the Bible. On the faith, it will list not only the most important verses where the word faith is found, but also verses that talk about faith without using the word, for example, Genesis 15, Abraham believed the Lord. Now, why am I giving you this? Why, Pastor, why, why is it so important? If you want to become better, if you want to become stronger, if you want to move off of milk, you have to use the tools. You have to know what tools to use, okay? So the topical Bible is a good one. Bible dictionary gives more detailed information about people, places, words, and events in the Bible. You can use it to learn more about what the Bible says about, for instance, children, for example, or about Peter or Egypt or miracles. Commentary. Now, commentaries are just that. They're commentaries. But here's their comments on a particular verse. So now there are certain types of commentaries. So there are single or multi-work um, commentaries and what it does, it explains the meaning of the passage. Always remember that, okay? It explains the meaning of the passage, all right? And so uh, just wanted to show you these, these tools. And here are a list. I don't know if you want to take a picture of that, but these are, I gave some names here of different types of uh, word study tools and important study tools that I believe that will be helpful to you when you're studying the word of God, all right? Now, I recommend the Bible knowledge commentary, the Bible background knowledge knowledge, knowledge commentary, uh, MacArthur uh, New Testament commentary, and, and there's some others here that you can uh, add to your library, okay? And then there are a lot of online tools, okay? There are a lot of on online tools, which um, which, we'll, which we'll, we'll study here in a minute, okay? So, so the question now is, why study the Bible, right? The Bible is a unit. And if you've ever studied some complex or controversial subject in depth, you know the frustration of trying to find two or three authorities who agree on any and all points. It basically never happens. The Bible stands in marked contrast. It is unique in that its parts 
conspired to form a unified whole. So in other words, you read one portion, the Old Testament is just common, is complementing the New Testament. You can't have the, the New Testament without the Old Testament, okay? You see, the Bible is not one book. It's 66 books collected in one volume. These 66, uh, these 66 separate documents were written over a period of more than 1,600 years by more than 40 human authors and come from a wide variety of backgrounds. Yet the Bible is still a single unit bound together by the theme of God and his relationship to humankind. Each book, section, paragraph, and verse works together with others to reveal God's truths. That's why scripture is best understood by relating its individual parts as a whole, okay? Now, what we want to do when we read the Bible, we want to what's called in the in the uh, in the world of in the seminary world, it's called exegy. All right, that word right there that looks crazy on, on up there. We want to exegy, and and in order to exegy, what we must do exegy means it's it means to interpret a passage in its own terms. The word exegy came from the came from the Greek word agigomai, which means to lead or to draw out. So when you're exegeting a passage, you're not reading into the passage, you're reading out of the passage. You're studying and you're drawing out of the passage what's there by using the tools that I just showed you. You understand? So it specifically refers to a verse-by-verse, phrase-by-phrase explanation. The goal in exegy, here's the goal in exegy. The goal in exegy, amen, is to analyze the passage carefully so that the words and the intent of the passage is as clear as possible. Now, what are we doing in exegy? Here's what we're doing in exegy. We're looking at word study, attention to word meaning, form, structure, syntax, grammar, context, historical background, using the tools I showed you, culture, and then also finding out the theology. Okay? All right? That's the word exegy. All right? Now, there's another word that you need to familiarize yourself with, and it's called Isogy. All right. So you have exegy, but then you have this word here, isogy. And isogy simply means that you're reading meaning into a text rather than reading a meaning from the text. Okay. All right. Got that? All right. Now, why did I bring this up? Because in order for you to move from milk to meat, all you have to do is simply get you a study Bible, begin to use the tools that's in the study Bible, and begin to exegy the passage, right? So here's how a person, here's what a person does. Let me give you an example of that. When a person reads into a passage, 
Okay, this is what they do. Uh, let me get let me get a familiar passage for you. Right here, this passage here. Matthew 18, 20. All right. You'll look at this passage by itself. Now, this is this, I'm giving you the I'm giving you the, the meat here, right? I told you understand context, right? Person will take one passage like this and say, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am I am among them, or I'm there in the midst. Okay. What most people use this passage for is like they're like, well, if we're at church and we're all together and we're praying together, then God is there. See, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. But if you don't read the context, and so what a lot of people have done in the past, they have read into this passage saying, well, if we're all together right now in Bible study, God is here. But the context in verse, if you notice that this is about church discipline, this passage, this passage is not in verse 16, it's not about praying, it's about discipline, where two or three are witness or agree in on the matter that Jesus is also in agreement with them. The verse has been misquoted to mean that you don't need church, but if you are two or three gathered in Jesus' name, he's there. The reason this is wrong is if you are born again, Jesus is already with you, and you don't need two or three others to join with you because he's already there. Matthew 18, 20 is also taken out of context when people claim that after two or three are gathered, then whatever they ask, it will be done. God may, may or may not answer that prayer, amen, the way we want him to. And so what happens to people is that they take a passage like this, one verse, don't read what happened before, don't read what happened after, and they make a, they, they get a banner, they get a t-shirt, they, uh, they, they start a ministry, uh, you know, they start quoting it, but they don't know the context. Now watch this, but if you have the tools, amen, to study it, and you can go online and do this without even buying the study Bible. I don't want to hold you back, see? You can find the tools, but you have to be careful that you don't isogee the passage, and that's by reading into the passage what's not there, okay? That's it for me. I'm done, and that's our lesson today. Amen. That's a lot, and, uh, and but you got the gist of it. You got the main portion of it, amen. And that's what.